0: We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which we meet, the Yagara and Turbal people of the Mianjin Nation, and we pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. <laughs> the podcast where we examine Marvel's pop culture paragons from the MCU and beyond through a queer feminist lens. I'm Lisa, and my old friend is Dana.
1: Hello, my homo superiors. There is no denying that superheroes influence and inspire people from all communities, so we want to explore what the representation is, if any, available to viewers from outside a straight male lens. Who better to explore this than your favourite discourse dykes? Discourse Dikes. Woo! woo, woo, woo. You oh, calling yeah. me old friend made me that's so sad. <laughs> My little heart can't handle that word because today we're looking at... X-Men! Yay! The 2001.
0: Directed by Bryan Singer, written by David Hayter starring Hugh Jackman, Anna Paquin, Patrick Stewart, and Sir Ian McCullough. You know
1: what I'm really excited about? What? We finally get to talk about a movie with women in it and a queer actor yeah i know right yeah. we're finally there the finally season there. final reward <laughs>
0: that's we we did so well for <laughs> so long trying to keep ourselves in check and it paid off because we finally have women yeah I'm excited. And queer actors. Yeah. Okay. So we're not going to talk about his crimes, but we will mention that this movie is directed by the disgusting fucking sexual abuser, rapist, pedophile, mm. creep, Brian Singer. Yeah. Just so you know where we stand. Yes. Terrible. Terrible man. Um, David Hayter brought out a statement that said he was... Almost sexually assaulted by someone in the industry, and he said he didn't work with him. So, I'm going to say it's not Brian Singer. And considering that Hollywood runs on people with unchecked power, using and abusing younger and less powerful people, it could be anyone.
1: Uh, when I was trying to get some background on this, I was talking to my housemate, as I tend to do, and he was like 80% sure that David Hayter was just saying that it wasn't Brian Singer to try and like keep a reputation in Hollywood and be able to work with mm-hmm. people. He's pretty convinced it was him. (sighs) It's true. He's just gross. And um, I'll talk a little bit about, I guess, the things I do know about Brian Singh, which isn't much in when we do our X-Men 2 episode. Because he did a lot of really shitty things to Ellen Page. Yeah. Which I heard a lot about, including threatening to out her, etc. Yeah. Again, I don't know what
0: the content warnings are for this episode because I did not write them down. So they will be in the description if we have any that we... And we're always like, we'll just record them after. And then we never do. Oh, so... We can, we can try and go back. That's nah, it's fine. We'll just put them in there. Okay. Like, um, that's, that's what the description is for I as well. I assume as right now...
1: Add, oh, sorry. I assume right now we're going to have discussions of World War II and the Holocaust. Yes. Uh, We're going to have violence against women. Yes. Because there's a fair bit of women getting hurt in these films. Yes. Uh, We will have, um, I guess, what would we call the way the mutants are treated? Just general discrimination and... Like,
0: veiled homophobia. Yes. We will talk about homophobia and the Lavender... Lavender Scare? Lavender Scare, yes.
1: Lavender Scare, yes. Yeah, allegories to racism, homophobia... Um. Yeah. And
0: ableism. And ableism for sure. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So any more, we'll put them in the. We'll put all of them in the in the notes anyway. Okay. So the plot. Um. Eric Lenscher, who we will know as Magneto, is at the concentration camps. He yes. is getting dragged away from his family, and he tries to reach out to them. And in doing so, he bends the metal of the gate.
1: Yes. He's specifically in Auschwitz. Um, in Poland, and um, yeah, what a a ballsy move to start your superhero film straight away, Holocaust. Mm. Remember, this is a thing. And yeah, interesting way to introduce your villain of the Mm. film. Very interesting.
0: Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Okay, so the next scene is Marie slash
1: Rogue Mm -hmm. uh, almost kills her boyfriend. Yes, she's planning a trip away, uh, and he's like, oh, kind of like it's not said but I think he gives her a look like where do I factor into your mm. like gapier plans? And then they kiss and he starts
0: to die. He um, goes into a coma, but we don't really see that yet. Yes. Um, So next is Jean Grey arguing with Senator Kelly for the rights of mutants who are known to humans. Um, And as we said, it's very Lavender Scare. Senator Kelly is like, mutants shouldn't have rights. We should um, register them all because they're all dangerous. And Jean Grey, who is a mutant, but he doesn't know that, um... It's like no, mutants are just, you know, tax paying citizens and they don't deserve to be registered and, and that's, that's a down. direct that's a direct correlation to Magneto at the concentration camps in which Jewish people were registered. And numbered. You and get a close-up of a
1: number on a wrist that they
0: can go Exactly. So
1: they're definitely drawing very large parallels towards that. Uh, with a lot of the Lavender Scare vibes, a key line from Kelly was when he's like, parents have a right to know who is teaching their children. Which is trying to weed out uh, very, very familiar and close to home to me as a high school teacher. Um, I'm lucky in the day and age I live in, but we know for a long time there were literal arguments and debates about whether people who are gay should be allowed to be around children and teaching and mm. influences on them trying to use these scare tactics. And that was the same for Jewish people as well yes. in world war two. Exactly. Um, segregated, isolated, put into ghettos and communities where they couldn't influence or infiltrate or harm other people. Mm. <sighs> Very heavy things. Exactly.
0: Um, So then we see that Magneto, who is now an old man, is watching the debate between Jean Grey and Senator Kelly. Um, He walks out of the debate after everyone stands up and claps. And then Charles Xavier, who is the founder of Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters, confronts Magneto. And Magneto warns Xavier to stay out of his way. He says that the humans no longer matter. And he thinks that they, that mutants have evolved beyond humanity.
1: Yes, and Mag- it's implied that Magneto was there waiting to see what the public's decision on how their treatment of mutants would continue, and was kind of getting intel on that before he progressed his plans. Mm. Um, we well, cut to Rogue, who's trying to catch a ride to Loughnigan City, which oh, she catches. Sorry, Loughlin. I can't pronounce anything. Loughlin City which is a bar where um, there's lots of, like, fights and cage matches going on because that just happens in your regular di- dive bar and they're trying to win money off of each other. And this is where we get our introductory shot to um, a mutant we'll come to know as the Wolverine. Um, we kind of get implications here as one in the cage match when the guy goes to punch him and hits his hand and we hear this clash of metal as the guy's hand breaks and he wins the fight. He's going to go and get paid. Um, and uh, they. I think they find out, yeah, they imply they know what he is and that yeah. no regular human could win or come out of that without a bruise. There
0: is a look that Rogue and Wolverine share when the TV is on a news program and talking about the mutant phenomenon. They share a look and it's very much like, you know, I know what you are, we know each other, we can seek each other out kind of thing. This- and like...
1: The same vibe when you are at like a family gathering and like there might be homophobia or your relatives start talking shit about gay people mm-hmm. and like you meet eyes with like a cousin across the table and you give each other the gay nod like yeah, it's alright and we're gonna stay quiet but we're in this together <laughs> there are three gay cousins in my family <laughs> you stole all of the gay cousins and are hiding them in one family <laughs> I've got two Two is alright. And I have on my other side, I'm pretty sure, a couple of my cousins are queer. This. Uh, why are there planes here? There should be no planes in the world right now. Sorry. Yeah! What the fuck? Yeah, a plane interrupting us, and it's been very quiet at my house for the last several months, because as we know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So I don't know where these planes have decided to come from. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Anyway, um, so Logan, sorry, Rogue hides in Wolverine's trailer, and then uh, once he figures that out, he lets her ride up front with him. They get into an accident, and Logan, like, the, there's this tree that falls on there, on, on Logan's the camper van, and he flies through the windshield, and Log, uh, Rogue get well, Rogue and Logan is so like tongue twisted. Rogan, street. Rogan, Logan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> sorry. Rogue gets trapped in the the van and a fire starts because of the gas in the back of the RV. She made some comments about how he's, like, living like a slob. And, like, everything in the back is just a depressed man's cave of, like, treasures. Um, and, uh, she- I love the part where he flies out the windshield because he hasn't got a seatbelt on, just as Rogue is saying, you should put your seatbelt on. He's like, don't tell me how to- and then flies out the fucking window. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> instant irony and that's how we find out as well that he has a healing factor exactly. because he gets up and walks that off
0: so they get attacked by another mutant named Sabretooth, and we find out later that Sabretooth is working for magneto yeah. but they are saved by two more mutants who turn up storm who is aurora monroe and cyclops who is scott summers um the Sabretooth. the next scene, Um, Sabretooth goes to Magneto's lair and it's revealed that he tried to kidnap either Rogue or Logan. They think
1: that he tried to kidnap Logan, but spoilers, he actually tried to kidnap Rogue. Rogue. Um, Uh, Logan ends up waking up in a facility where we see Jean Grey doing some tests on him. Uh, He freaks out and then, like, pushes her away and escapes and is just walking through the facility. The doors are opening for him and he hears a voice in his ear. And it leads him to a small classroom,
0: because this facility is actually a school, Mm -hmm. and he finds uh, Charles Xavier. Yes. So it turns out he is at the School for Gifted Youngsters.
1: Uh, Xavier offers to help him find answers, because at this point it's revealed that Logan has been wandering around for 15 years, uh, place to place. Not knowing who he is or where he comes from. Yes, he has complete amnesia and cannot recall key details about himself. So um, Rogue
0: meets Bobby who has freezing powers and Xavier gives an exposition dump um, about Magneto. Um, So then to kick the plot off, Magneto, Mystique and Sabretooth kidnap Senator Kelly and turn him into a mutant with a machine. Yes. But that doesn't work out very well
1: for them. I thought it was very interesting, that whole idea of like they were going to turn him into a mutant so huh, walk around and see how it feels and of course at this point they aren't aware of the, the side effect being it's unstable and humans who are turned into mutants it won't last and they'll die mm. Um, but yeah what a plan if we just had a gay beam that we could just like <laughs> shoot at people gay. to make them understand how it feels to be marginalised well I mean there are plenty of people who are marginalised who aren't gay I know, but they tend not to be, or maybe I'm generalising here, they tend not to be, like, the side that are opposing other people's human rights. Mm. <laughs> that was a ton- that was a mind-twister for me, what you just said. You, people who are of my, uh, minorities are generally do act in a lot of solidarity with other minorities yes, because they true. understand what it's like to be discriminated against, even if they're not facing the same discrimination. Although we have seen, like, there
0: has been a lot of solidarity with... Um... Intersectional, like people who have more than one marginalized identity.
1: Yeah,
0: there has been a lot of that, especially recently, with like um, the queer, trans, um, black people who have been killed by police officers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have seen that recently, but like, I mean, that's a that is a whole conversation about how some people who are marginalized in one way don't necessarily stick up for people who are marginalized in more than one way.
1: I like to hope that people do. I know. But. I mean,
0: yeah, we well, we have seen that people are. I can't remember the name of the of the couple people who were murdered by police or just murdered recently, but um, there have been, um, there have been protests about them as well. Yeah. So forgive me for not knowing the names.
1: Anyways, yes, they are trying to turn Senator Kelly into a mutant so he understands the feeling. Or at least it's pitched at this point of the script that he understands what it's like to be marginalized and treated poorly because you're a mutant. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. So, um... Jean reads Logan's mind and sees scenes of him being experimented on, and because um, she gets this and he remembers a little bit of it, he has a bad dream, and Rogue goes to help him, and he accidentally stabs her with his kitty claws. Yes. Um, Um, Rogue borrows his healing powers and heals herself, but she thinks that everyone's mad at her and that Xavier's going to kick her out.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, The bad guys actually use this to uh, play on Rogue's emotions. Um, But before this, we have Senator Kelly washes up on the beach after escaping, Mm -hmm. um, and he's treated very hostily by a bunch of humans on the beach. Mm -hmm. For is that a mutant? They whisper in shock and horror and don't help him and don't check if he's alright, even though he's clearly disoriented and lost. Uh, But we cut back to the mansion, and it looks like Bobby's convincing Rogue to leave. but it's actually Mystique, in disguise, who is trying to lure Rogue out for nefarious evil deeds. Nefarious. <laughs> sometimes I just must pull a silly voice. What is it? I just sometimes must make a silly voice. Yes. It's just a, an overwhelming desire that sweeps over me. It's very cute. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>
0: so, um, So Rogue pisses off. Mm -hmm. And then Xavier finds her using Cerebro, which is a machine that he can use to locate any and every mutant in the world, everyone except Magneto, Um, and that's because Magneto wears this really cool helmet, and we'll see that in other movies. To keep his boyfriend out of his head.
1: (laughs) 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 Not to make you cry on (laughs) me. Cry. (laughs) You can't know me like that. (laughs) Blopped, reported. None of you are free from sin. We're exes. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. God, I wish I had that tinfoil hat. (laughs) Um, So, Logan
0: goes to find Rogue and comforts her. Mm -hmm. Um, Mystique infiltrates Cerebro and sets up this, like, poison shit in there. Um, And then there's some mischief at Grand Central Station in which um, the two... Two of uh, Magneto's cronies, um, toad Frog Guy and Sabertooth. <laughs> Saber frog, frog Guy.
1: My favorite side character, <laughs> Frog Guy. Froggy. <laughs> it's Toad.
0: <laughs> his name is Toad. Yeah. Okay, that, now I know. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> um, so they turn up and they start wrecking the joint. Um, yep. And then uh, Storm and Scott, what's his name, Cyclops, are there as well. Um, and so they just kind of get into a lot of trouble and then, uh, the cops turn up and, like, Magneto turns up and he kind of wrecks shop and it turns out that
1: he wants Rogue. It's such a standoff, isn't it? Yeah. When he's there because what they, what Charles does is he psychically takes over Sabretooth's Yes. Like, brain and, like, gets Magneto in a chokehold to try and stop him and then Magneto makes a cop's gun fire. (laughs) And, like, slowly digs the bullet into the police officer's head and is, like, then makes all of the other cops' weapons turn on the other cops and is, like, hmm, I can stop one bullet. would be a real shame to test my power if I could stop more. Yeah. And Charles is, like, big power move. I'm gonna let you go. Well, I
0: thought, um, Charles was actually the one stopping the bullet. No. It was Magneto.
1: It was Magneto (sighs) making a point. He was, like, testing my power to stop the bullet would be a real shame if I couldn't stop them all. What?
0: Oh, Magneto, you tricky little bitch.
1: Yeah. They play chess together for years. <laughs> <They're> just, sorry. <laughs>
0: I'm Their them. love story is grand. It is. Um, so, yeah, the cops turn up and Magneto makes fools of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they get away. Um, with Rogue, and so now they have to go rescue Rogue. Um, Senator Kelly goes to Xavier's school, and then he bursts into water, so we find out that the, that, um, the machine that they used to turn him into a mutant
1: didn't actually do the job properly, and it's not stable. It doesn't work on humans, is the conclusion they draw. And before that, they do get get a bit of information about what the purpose is, and where they think Magneto will be using that, which Mm. is the UN summit about Mm -hmm. the mutant problem.
0: Yep. Yes. Um, So Xavier uses Cerebro again, but Mystique has poisoned it, as we said before. So he falls into a coma. Um, Jean fixes Cerebro, but when she tries to use it, she gets hurt. Uh, But she first finds out where Magneto is going. So... Uh, The X-Men go after Rogue.
1: Mm. Um, Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Essentially, they figure out that Magneto is trying to get Rogue to absorb his powers, because he's like, I will die if I use it. And he's like, well, I don't want to die, so let's get this kid. She'll be a noble sacrifice for the mutant cause. And I kind of like, I was picking this plan apart, and I was like, okay, he can't be aware that Senator Kelly was going to die. He must be convinced that this is going to work, because otherwise he just martyrs. All of these people that he's about to transform. And that will create even more anti-mutant sentiment.
0: Well, like, if everyone in... Th- if every human in the world dies, and there will only be mutants left.
1: But it wasn't every human. It was only those at the UN summit. Because you're not going to be able to hit the whole world from New York. Okay. Yeah? Like, uh, so like, leaders um, leaders, and representatives from every country Yeah. in one place at one time... And he was, like, clearly targeting them to make them all mutants so they uh, go back to their countries and try and improve conditions for marginalised people. He mustn't have known that it was unstable. Well, um... He mustn't have known that Kelly died. They... Someone did... Like, I think Storm says
0: that to someone. Yeah. But I can't remember when and I can't remember who she says it to. But she does say it.
1: Yeah. I'm just... I'm interested in the whole motive behind this plan. Because if his plan was... ...to make them all mutants for a little bit... ...and then they'll die... ...and he, he, I know he doesn't care about humans dying... ...but like... ...he martyr—he would martyr those humans... ...and galvanize other humans... ...against mutant kind. Mm. ...and Magneto seems smarter to me than that... ...so I'm just trying to figure out... ...like he mustn't have known... ...that it was unstable... ...he must have thought mm-hmm. the change was permanent... ...he must have thought Senator Kelly was just going to permanently be a mutant... ...because he does say like welcome brother... Like, when he yep. lets him out of the machine, that he's now one of them. So how does it feel? Yeah. yeah I'm know. also a little bit hazy on this plan. Like,
0: um, he wants to use, get Rogue to use his power, but yes. she can only use the power when she's actually Touched touching him. someone. Yeah. So he she would have to actually drain
1: him. To get the like, power for kill a him
0: bit. to get his power and use...
1: Not necessarily, because he's found out that some people can survive when she touches them. Like, the boy's in a coma, but he survived. Mag- um, Wolverine he survives. Wants to... He wants her to take the powers for a bit because if he uses the machine, he will die. Yeah. If she uses the machine with his powers. She will die rather than him, mm. which is why he uses Rogue. Fair enough. Well, they, but it's um... so confusing, isn't it, for an hour and forty-five minute movie. Well, this
0: was a tight hour and forty-five. Yeah. I really appreciate
1: it. There's that. no dead time, which I do appreciate. Yes. <laughs> anyway um all of them actually end up saving the day um and stopping it after there's some there's some like you know they all get trapped in metal because they bring Mr. Metal Skeleton Man to the, the metal man fight <laughs> um, but like they manage to figure it out I think he stabs himself to get yep. free of it and then he like Jean Very Grey teleports ridiculous. the Cyclops' visor yes. back over all Cyclops does in this movie is exist to have his visor knocked off his head so useless. and fight with Logan a little bit so useless <laughs> um, yeah uh, what else happens
0: Professor Xavier wakes up
1: yes so after they all save the day um, I think Cyclops manages to hit Magneto with his laser eyes um, and he collapses and Wolverine stabs open the thing yep. um, Rogue's so st- stressed or oh, it's so taxing on her that she gets her iconic white streaks Wolverine like makes her touch him so she comes back to life yep. essentially absorbs some power they get back, everyone saved the day. Professor X wakes up, and um, Magneto gets sent to. Condom. <laughs> I call it condom jail because <laughs> they're fucking tubing. Like, <laughs> re- at the very last shot, it's like retracting out, and I hate the way it What looks. do you know about condoms? It reminds me of my sex ed classes in high school with the female condom, and it's got all these like oh, ridge design yes, shit. Yes. And it's just the way it's like still holding itself up as it retracts. I hate it. And everything's made of plastic and rubber in that yeah. jail. <laughs> I don't understand how it all works. There's no metal. Yeah. Because if there was metal in the jail.
0: How does it retract and like.
1: I guess. I don't know. They figured out some sort of way to retract the plastic without it being wired or electronic or metal. Um, No idea. Yeah, but it gets sent to naughty condom plastic jail. (laughs) (laughs) Professor X will come and play chess with him every once in a while. Yeah. Okay, so
0: do we want to talk about general. Yeah, we can talk okay, about general there's stuff. Okay, just a, one thing that I wanted to say about that, was that the disabilis- disability representation with Xavier, that mm-hmm. Patrick Stewart is not disabled. In fact, there is a scene where Xavier stands up
1: um, and walks around. Yes. um, Xavier, as a character, was not always disabled no. in the comics. In the original comics, his back was broken by his half-brother slash stepbrother, who's the juggernaut. Because that's yes. how comic books work. <laughs> there's so many... Everyone's related and connected. But I like how they do it in first class. <laughs> yes. Yeah. There's different origins later, etc. It is that question of, do we want to watch an actor who is disabled standing up in flashbacks and everything and forced to walk? Like, no. exactly. So how do we mitigate this one with Professor X in the wheelchair? Well, this one, he didn't need to
0: get up and walk. No. Like, it was just a, like, 30-second part of something that they could have completely changed. Yeah. They didn't even need to have it, so...
1: Oh, know oh we're going to have to talk about Dark Phoenix at some point.
0: We are, yeah. but I have not seen that movie,
1: and... It's real bad. Okay. I'll, I'll warn you about it when we're off air. Okay, cool. Okay, because I think everyone needs warning for that movie. The planes are going over again. I don't know why. No one should be coming from interstate. Everyone's banned. And there's a car alarm now. Fantastic. There's a car alarm. <laughs> Everything's conspiring. We've still got like at least 30
0: minutes left in this know. podcast. Okay. Um, so have we finished talking? Yes. About what to
1: was the on? other point you wanted to talk? Um,
0: I wanted to talk about how Ian McKellen is not Jewish, but he plays a Jewish character. Yes. And that is really important because of the um, allegory of mutants being basically like Jewish people were in World War II. Mm. And before World War Two as well, in um Hitler occupied Germany and Poland and yeah, I don't know too so much
1: about it, but it's just the mutants are an allegory for so many different groups. Yeah, Magneto specifically, definitely there's being a Holocaust survivor that ties so heavily into his ideals and watching men do terrible things for his whole life for multiple of his like background identities, for, or for his backgrounds I should say, like, for being Jewish, for being a mutant he's like, same shit, different part of my identity, mm. like I've already watched them treat me this way for my my race, my culture, mm. of course I'm going to watch, I'm not going to watch them treat me this way for being a mutant too and that's, he's such a compelling villain, mm-hmm. I, and I was talking about this earlier today, he's the only villain I 10 out of 10 completely understand yeah. his stance like, well,
0: what about um, Michael B. Jordan in uh Yeah, my housemate no brought
1: number. this up too, and I said he's like a 9 out of 10. Yeah, because he does kill a woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a 9 out of 10 because it's like, it's the generational thing. Like, it's happened in the generation before him, and it's like, I don't know how to explain it. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we, we will. I think I, I completely, 10 out of 10, got the Magneto. 9 out of 10 for Michael B. Jordan. They're very compelling. They make a lot of sense. Um and, like, I'm, like, if I was a mutant, I'd be very much tempted to be in Magneto's like, Brotherhood. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's the only time I've ever been, like, with a villain team, felt that as a very... who I, th- I think I'm a very morally grounded person, a very yeah. stubborn, like, I have a clear idea of right and wrong, which sometimes does me in. But, yeah, it's really fascinating. I've always really... Thought Magneto was a very interesting villain. Very compelling, absolutely. Yes. Um. Do we want to talk about feminism now? Uh feminism. Yeah, let's go.
0: So, um, just in general, uh, we'll we'll talk about the characters. Mm-hmm. Um. So Storm is played by Halle Berry. Yes. Um. So her powers are she can manipulate the weather, but she gets very few lines in this film. Yeah. Although, as you say,
1: it's she... it's interesting because it's. It's an ensemble film. It's, like, Scott arguably gets barely any lines. Mm. Like... But he
0: gets, like, a little bit of personality and, like,
1: he gets an antagonism with Wolverine. Yeah. Storm's role is very placated, like, because we don't see her, much of her put in conflict with anything else. She gets to have the scene with Senator Kelly where she says, I'm afraid of humans, like, yeah, and I thought that was a really interesting when he's, he's there as like, well, she's there as he's dying mm. and he's like, please like hold my hand. And she like gets to be the person who, you know, for someone who's an antagonist and who's being very like against mutants and the X-Men, she has that humanity and mm. that comfort to be able to sit with a man in his dying moments and, you know, talk very openly with him about her fears and how mm. she, she feels she's been treated by him and his Point of view mm. and his people, so to speak, um, and that's a very small moment. But I think yeah, I think it's very powerful. Actually, there's a lot of small moments in this film, and mm. I wish we got to see more utilized, especially by Storm. I really love her character.
0: Yeah, I always
1: have. Like, I mean, like we were saying,
0: it's you know a tight for hour forty five. They could have extended that and had more scenes with Storm. Mm, um, and more scenes with um, maybe like
1: Storm and Rogue or Storm and Jean, Jean like having the women actually talk to each other I yeah. think would help that a lot too Yeah. yes the men talk to each other all the time and the women seem to only be allowed to talk to men mm. and it's just frustrating mm. um, what do you think about Storm? Um, there's
0: a line that I really like where Logan says, are you sure you're on the right side? And Storm says,
1: at least I've chosen a side. That Queen. Was pretty
0: cool. She's awesome.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's just... That's how I feel a lot of my morality. I, I can't stand middle grounds. Mm. I can't stand This people. both sides kind of bullshit. Yeah, I'm like, there is only one side, and it's the side who's not being marginalized against. Like... Exactly. Oh, sorry. That, ones, no, it's fuck. the side that is yeah, marginalized. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, you... By standing in the middle, you are standing with the power that is at the present. Exactly. You're not actually helping and uplifting the people who are actively being hurt. Mm. I've always believed that my whole life, and it makes me quite unpopular in some circles. Yeah. And you're constantly (laughs) calling out people
0: for being fucking racist or fucking homophobic or fucking misogynist or whatever. Yes. 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 People like, I'm not that, and you're like, well, you're being that way, so maybe you are that. Um. So uh, there is this stereotype called the dark skin blonde stereotype mm. and that happens with Storm. Um, I found this on Instagram actually, this um, this user called J B, and it's spelled C-H-A-R-I-S-J-B on Instagram says, this trope can be problematic because it infers that black indigenous characters of color must have... Light eyes, sorry, light hair, blue eyes, and European features to be magical and desirable heroines. Ah oh, shit, I didn't think much about that. Well, I just randomly saw it on Instagram, so yeah, yeah I hadn't, I had no idea. It about is an that
1: interesting point. Um, I don't know. Like, Storm's not blonde. She's got the white hair. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But like, I was just always like, it's clouds, because she's yeah. Storm. Yeah.
0: I'm like I'm not really I mean I'm just kind of putting it out there I yeah, don't really have Yeah but it no is a thought and on. it is
1: a perspective. Yeah. Yeah, no I can see that it would be frustrating especially like with the X-Men a lot of the women on the team like are allowed to just have like regular ass brown hair or like yep. whatever um Jean with her bright red hair is mm. like it's just very comic book but I can see that it would be frustrating that like You know, for women who are looking for representation in Storm, like women of colour. I mean, like, there is the idea that she doesn't have natural hair. Yeah. Massively. That's exactly what I was just going to bring up. That, like, to look like her or to embody her would be far more difficult for someone. Yeah. Mm. Why is it perfectly straight? And, yeah. Because, like, you can see, even in some shots, being an older movie, where... You can see the like the line and the fact that Halle Berry would have had to sit in makeup and like yeah. get the the frustrating like um, hair extensions in every day when her co-workers could just rock up and have their hair
0: mm. would
1: be very very frustrating, alienating. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Alienating.
0: Yeah, that's a good word. Um, yeah, I just noted that Halle Berry is the only woman of color to win Best Actress at the Academy Awards. For the movie that she made the year after this, called Monster Ball, and that is a fantastic movie. That is just one of
1: the most incredible movies mm. I've ever seen. Is she still the only woman of color? I think so. Yeah. That's you can't tell me that in all the years of the Academy. Uh, that's that that's only what I one woman of color saw, here. and I could be wrong. No, but... no, I mean like even if it's true, that's disgusting. There's so many talented yeah actresses and like what.
0: But we see, you know, with the Academy So White and yeah. that kind of thing. Like There are definitely years in recent memory, like this, or oh, was it this year or last year, where um, all of the nominees for Best Actress or Best Female Actor are white women. Oh, men. <sighs> mm. Did you want to say the thing about Sabretooth?
1: Um, I really hate in the train station, there's a scene where he chokes her. Yeah, and he literally says something like scream for me which is just Gross. disgusting and not what I really needed to watch in my superhero content awful. and I get he's framed as the villain but come on no, cut it out has <laughs> very serious like connotations yeah like he wouldn't say that to Wolverine at the start like with no. a truck like and I know they're not playing up the, the history between Wolverine and Sabretooth in this film that's for later films when we're going to have to watch Wolverine Origins. Ew. Um, but. Ew it describes like literally
0: most of the films that we've watched in
1: this podcast if you so far. If you wouldn't have him say it to your may, male characters, why yeah. would you have him say that one to your female ones? Because they love having women be powerless against men. Exactly. And it's gross. It is gross. Um, I love seeing Storm as teacher rep as well. Yes. Seeing her in the classroom. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, you love that, obviously. Oh, obviously. It never <laughs> happens. I also imagine how fucking tired you would be all the time oh. if you were a teacher by day and a superhero by oh. night. I already don't sleep. No, thank you. <laughs> Let's talk about Rogue. Let's talk about Rogue. Um, so she...
0: Her powers are that she takes people's energy and she can use their
1: powers. Yeah, I, I really love that moment where she just figured like... She clues in and she figures it out herself that Mm. she can use Wolverine's healing ability, Mm. which she's already seen. And she just, like, you know, walks out perfectly composed after she's healed herself by touching him. Well, she's a bit upset. She's a little bit upset, but she's, like, the one crowd controlling while he's, like, having a panic attack on the bed after his nightmare and after nearly killing her. Yeah. Yeah, she's, like, it was an accident, it was a mistake, everything's fine now, and just, like, calmly walks out. Mm. And... Um... She has dreams. Yeah. She has, right in the start shot, she's choosing a road trip and adventure and, like, things she wants to do in her gap year. Mm. she's got this mopey boyfriend who's, like, gives her this look, like, where am I in this picture? Nowhere, (laughs) bitch. Yeah, no, she wasn't even thinking about him. (laughs) She's like, yeah, I'm gonna go here and here and do this. That's awesome. I love her.
0: Good, a strong, independent woman. Yeah. She develops a really nice relationship with Logan. I really appreciated their relationship. I know.
1: Wolverine just exists to be cranky, have amnesia, and adopt a whole bunch of daughters. <laughs> he's the best dad. Is that what happens in Logan? Well, he... Yeah. He finds a girl who's essentially been created daughter, from his yeah. DNA. Yeah, And he's like, my child. <laughs> he just runs around. Like, in an X-Men animated series, like Jubilee, like... Mm. Just adopting all his daughters and keeping them safe. Mm. And be really cranky at everyone else except for his beautiful daughters.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's so cute. Um, so Rogue, I, f- I thought that Rogue has agency, even if it's most... Like, even if it mostly involves her running away.
1: Yeah. We see that the motivation behind that is she wants to protect others from herself. Mm. Like, her own powers. She knows they can be devastating. And when she runs away, it's because she doesn't want to hurt anybody. Yeah. And that's a choice. So
0: it's like a selfless choice. Yeah. Um. So she's damseled at least three times that I counted, like in the van at the beginning, yeah. when she and Logan are attacked, on the train and then in the machine. Um, one of these times she's rescued by Storm and Cyclops, once she's not rescued at all and the other she's rescued by Wolverine. Yeah. Um.
1: Yeah. It's... I guess as well it plays into that idea of, like, how can she get herself out of that situation? Mm. When the key things we know about Rogue are she's terrified to touch people.
0: I mean, but she could touch people. Like, although she... I think they knock her unconscious when she's on the train. Yes. So she's literally, like, hefted over Toadie's
1: shoulders. But a big part of that is, if you've got the power to kill someone with your touch, that's a really... Intense psychological thing thing to put on a 16, 17-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, she spent so much of her time not wanting to. Yeah. Like, I think something pretty... Like, (laughs) would have been great if she'd gotten someone along the way, but Mm -hmm. how would she have felt
0: with that? And in the film, she mostly uses her powers to save herself as opposed to hurt somebody else. Yes. So, like you were saying, with her being selfless and running away because she doesn't want to hurt anyone... And she uses her power when Logan accidentally attacks her and she heals herself through using his power and again at the end when Logan makes her touch his face so that <coughs> she can um, heal herself.
1: Yeah. And Mystique plays into her deepest fear that she is dangerous mm. for the people she's around when she convinces her to leave. Mm. Disguised as Bobby. Yeah. She's like, no, you're not safe. Like, mm. I think you should leave. Like, And that's playing upon the fear she already has about herself. Yeah, I'm Poor
0: darling. Poor darling. I, I, love, I love Rogue a lot. She's cute. My goth daughter. Mystique, Rebecca, played by Rebecca Roman Stamos, mm-hmm. who was also in Punisher, which was directed by Lexi Alexander.
1: What? I did not know yeah, that. that's A little cool. fact for the
0: day. Yeah. Um, so her powers are that she can take anyone else's form, and she has some kind of, like, martial arts kind of, like, fighting type of skills, but she's very much the femme fatale. <sighs> She's really cool. And I figured out that I have a type. <laughs> I
1: could have told you this.
0: Yeah, it didn't occur to me until I watched this film and I was like, oh, I fucking love Mystique so much. And what are your types? <laughs> um, that I love martial artist babes.
1: Yeah, and I love her fight choreography. Yes, yes it's like, it's that sultry sort of, but it all makes sense for her. Yeah. Like, the way she, like, slides over people's shoulders and shit. It's so... Like, she's so light on
0: her feet. Yes. It is just, like, this kind of, like, feline, almost. Mm-hmm. Like, she just can jump over people and, like, she does this move where she goes backwards up a brain pipe. Yeah, you know? I know.
1: And it feels so uniquely her. Yeah. Like, I've never seen anyone. Even though no. this is, like, a 2000s movie and you can tell that some of it's wire choreography and a bit time mm. shot poorly it's i've never seen choreography like that no not for anybody else. and it suits her character so well and all the shit she can do in the comics and everything i think it's fantastic yeah yeah i love the way she fights it's, and like it's just beautiful to look at and even though she's like in a complete bodysuit, mm. like there's not intentional shots where it lingers on her tits or her ass no. it's just there in frame but she's too busy fighting for you to really pay attention yeah. to it
0: Yeah. And like a lot of the way. And I mean, it's more like, it's not necessarily focusing on her, on her like breasts or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's mostly, uh, mostly focusing on the fact that she has this skin yeah like her skin is so the bright blue skin and yeah, and it's so like intricately done it's so beautiful mm-hmm. like i I have loved mystique like forever mm-hmm. ever since I saw her in this movie and at first, I was really happy that Jennifer Lawrence was playing because I really liked her in the Hunger Games, and mm-hmm. then we all realized what an awful person Jennifer Lawrence really is. <sighs> But, like, even in... I really liked the way she looks, like, how Mystique looks in first class. I really liked that.
1: Yes. Um. Yeah, she's literally walking around naked, but I always forget because she's just so fucking cool. She's, she's just awesome. framed to be terrifyingly efficient. Mm. Not sexy. And I think that's sexy mm. in this film. She is terrifyingly efficient. That is a good way to put it. Yeah, like, all the, the men in reaction to her transforming back un- into Mystique aren't like, Ooh, Dan Nikki, your bobbies for the... <laughs> You're never going to let that go. Bring back my catchphrase. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, oh no, this is not the person I thought I was talking to. They're always in abject horror when she changes back. Yeah. yeah. And she saves herself at the
0: end. She has, like, I would say that she has the most agency out of any of the women in this film. Yeah. And that's, like, usually bad villains, bad guys villains, have the most agency. Because they're the ones driving the plot. Mm. They're the ones, like... Doing the bad things so that the good guys have to. I should stop saying guys, so that the protagonists have mm. to um, fight against it. They, like they give something to, to the. They give the protagonists something to fight
1: against. Mm-hmm. And it's not like she's just following Magneto around blindly. No. Um, she shares values. Like she yeah. believes the same things. So, like,
0: while we might assume she's just following Magneto's orders, we don't actually see him give her any. And when we look at future films in which Ma- uh, Mystique is a large part, she has a lot of agency, and she shares Magneto's values, which means she has she makes a lot of her own decisions, or
1: they make decisions together. So she she has a lot of agency. Really, That's the conclusion. That a really good to. comparison, I think, is we've talked about Blade, and yep. assuming our listeners here have listened to our Blade episode, you've got Raquel in that. Yep. beside villain who is dressed completely in white. Yep. Just The Aryan weirdo. Yeah, she's just around wherever your dude and that needs her to be. Yep. Whereas like Mystique seems to be like I don't know, it's like even like Raquel's just standing around waiting yeah. for the fight. Whereas it's Mystique Doing these Doing things, things. Yeah, and like actually she's... occupying Wolverine and showing like intelligence on the battlefield to yeah. navigate the situation as she wills. Magneto's not standing there telling her, Now trick him to think exactly. that you're you're one of the teammates she just does it because yeah she's clever
0: and it's so like not drawn attention to at all like yes. she just does these things and we're like holy shit she can do these things but like <laughs> it's not just like there's no attention drawn to the fact that she is like a genius and she has all these amazing abilities and like she's so beautiful and she's yeah. so capable but like like hardly any attention is drawn to it like um i don't even know if anyone talks about her in the film
1: like, Miss. Like, um. I think they. Magneto whenever she. Whenever she pops her. up. Whenever she pops up disguised as someone else. Yeah. The X Men like, ah, oh, damn, that's Mystique pretending yep. to be the Senator. or Pretending to be yep. this person. Like, but it's never. We don't know anything about her yet. She's yeah. veiled in mystery. But she's so
0: interesting. Yeah. She is the most interesting character in the entire X Men <laughs>
1: franchise. <laughs> that's. Yeah. I think. A lot of that comes through writing, and especially when Jennifer Lawrence steps into the shoes. Like, she demanded in a lot of her contracts rewrites to make her character more important and more... Good. Like, more... Because in the comics, she's not super fleshed out. Or when she is, it's like... I wanted to see more things in this, like, her and Rogue's original relationship. Mm. Rogue is called Rogue because she's literally tempted to the Brotherhood of Mutants for Mm. a while. Mystique. Not appearing as Bobby, not appearing as some random dude she met three weeks ago. Mystique is like, hey, look at you. You've got this power that marginalizes you from, like, you're not, you're not, I can create clouds with my hands, woman. You're not like telepath who can blend into society. You have a power that is devastating and you can't live your life as normally as the rest of them. Look at me. I can't either. Come and join our side. We'll understand you and foster you. And Rogue spends a lot of time with the Brotherhood. Mystique's kind of like an adopted mother figure. And in Mm -hmm. this film, they make Wolverine the adopted father figure instead. And I don't hate that development. But I'd love to see more of that. Because then we'd have storylines of women interacting Mm. with each other. We'd have some of those, like, complexities. And Rogue coming back to the X-Men. And how they all feel that she's been a renegade for a while. Mm. You know. They could have... Yeah, I know what this movie was doing and what it was restricted in its neat one hour, 45 minutes to do. But I feel like we sometimes lose a little bit of those good comic nuggets that could have given more depth. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Jean? Jean Jean is a very interesting character across history and feminism. So Jean Grey is played
0: by Famke... Jansen, I yes. think. I don't know how to pronounce that. It's some sort of Swedish Scandinavian. 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 Yeah. Um, her powers are psychokinesis, manipulating objects, and telepathy.
1: Yes. Um, she's like that power femme, public-facing powerhouse of the X-Men. Yes. She is the poster girl for she Xavier's is. Institute of Gifted Kids. She's the one who's engaging the politicians because she's very... Um, measured and polite and looks acceptable in the eyes of human society and she i find her to be like
0: the opposite of mystique yes like mystique un, like works in the shadows and she does all the dirty work and yes. like magneto's dirty work and jean gray
1: is just like
0: no i'm the i'm the pretty one i'm the good I'm the, girl i'm the good girl, the girl
1: next door yeah. and it's really interesting when we look at their pasts which will come out in later films mm. where jean has been literally on lockdown by Xavier. He's locked Mm. away the parts of her personality and powers that he doesn't like. Mm. Very controlled, very manufactured to be what she is. Ugh, that's scary. (laughs) I can't wait to talk about the insidious family of... Yeah. Yeah.
0: So she's another woman in STEM, but as Mm -hmm. you said, politics... But also
1: politics, teaching, and fieldwork. What a multitasking queen. Queen. Yeah. (laughs) She she who was told she has to have one career and she says no I'm having four <laughs> and I'm gonna have a stable relationship on top of yeah. that yeah <laughs> so she does have a flirtation with Logan but it doesn't
0: go anywhere no. and like even though she's involved with Scott we don't see them interacting that much <laughs> so like I'm. I do not even know why they bothered putting that in there.
1: I because it's just a classic in the comics. They're a couple before Wolverine comes in and complicates oh, okay. everything. Yeah, because they've spent the whole childhoods together. It's it's implied they're like sweethearts who, by proximity, are together. And Scott genuinely does love her, but she's just kind of like, okay,
0: you're here. Well, he he says um, he says like uh, Wolverine says, "Aren't you going to s- tell me to stay away from your girl?" And Scott says. If, you know, she wouldn't be my girl if I actually said that. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty cool, but then it's immediately (laughs) undone by the fact that he is then like, but stay away from my girl. But that plays on Scott's insecurity. Yeah. But I thought that was like a cute thing. Like, it's not necessarily the death of feminism being able to say that, but like, um, I think I just um, thought it was
1: cute. That speaks more to Scott's insecurity, and he he has insecurity, and he has his little like dick off with Wolverine, but. Jean's just very apathetic about both of them at least in this movie. She's like invested in helping Logan from my, I'd love to see what's in that brain that like you don't know about. She doesn't seem to have that yet. That all kind of spirals out of control in the next few X-Men movies. Um, Right now she's just kind of there trying to do her job and be a really upstanding mutant citizen to pave Mm. the way for other mutants. Yeah, she's very much like corporate mutant. Yes, well, yeah, ironically yes. Corporate um, gay. Yeah, but she's, unlike Pepper in our I'm episode, mm. she's doing it for the sake of bringing other mutants up. Yes. And like she's playing into that role that Xavier set her up for, which is being that star pupil, so to speak. Yeah. To hopefully better mutant society for all. That car alarm is still going I'm off. I'm so sorry. We are, we apologise profusely. Oh. It's, got, no, I think it comes and goes. Ah. Oh, okay. Anyways um, So this Your note here when oh, yeah. Xavier gets nerfed Yes when Xavier gets nerfed by the poison I didn't even realise it was poisoned I just saw him get into Cerebro and fall over And was like okay I don't know what's happened there um, Jean steps up And does the job in Cerebro to find where Magneto is yeah. It hints that she's actually more powerful Than Xavier I think yeah. as well um, In the beginning she's like No not me Xavier is a far better telepath I'm just developing my abilities and he's training me but, we but know- isn't she,
0: like, 30
1: and she's still developing her powers? Well, that's like- because, like I said before, Xavier's blocked off parts of her yeah. mind. He deliberately, as a child, went in and tinkered with her powers, her brain, to block this insidious part of her that has this unstoppable force. She is, like, an omega-level mutant and most mm. people aren't. But, yeah, he's tried to train her and give her good ethics and morals, I guess, growing up. And unlock it piece by piece when he wants her to have that power, not when she has it. And that causes their conflict in future movies. I think Jean's very interesting, and she's a very debated character. Like, people... She falls into a lot of tropes, not right now, but in later films of with power comes, like... Great responsibility. Not even great responsibility, but women in power will crack and fall apart and become... Like, yeah,
0: out like their her own
1: minds, etc. Her
0: darkness will consume I don't even her. like saying that, but like her evilness will, um, will consume her, like you just said, yeah. Yeah, and sorry, my brain is just failing me.
1: That's okay, we're nearly there.
0: <laughs> um, okay, do we want to talk about queerness now? Yes. Um, the entire idea of mutants is very clearly an allegory for being queer.
1: So clearly. Queerly, in fact. Queerly. Um, the X-Men is your ultimate found family narrative. Like, how could we ever not expect it to resonate with the gays? Like, they're literally all coming out of homes that reject them and hate them and society that shuns them and finding each other and building a school and a home and a family together. That sounds like the coolest thing in the world. I love the X-Men It's amazing. Narrative. It's amazing. Yeah. Um... I have a really interesting point here, and I hinted at this when we talked about Jean. But Charles's first um, X-Men team consists of, at least in the films, in the in the comics, it's a different lineup. But it's four very human-looking, presentable, attractive mutants. This is no coincidence. Um, if you refer to in history, our early "We're just like regular people" campaigns for gay acceptance and tolerance in society, we're only very you know conservative versions of. Queer people were at the forefront of your campaigns for marriage equality, for adoption, and things like this. Um, it's like very the respectable gays. Yes, exactly. That whole presenting yourselves as we're just like the straights, but we just happen to like the same sex. But oh, but we're normal otherwise. I mean, I agree with that, but like also, <sighs> there are a lot of queer people throughout
0: history who are very visibly queer and they reject like being yeah. normal. And it like
1: throws under the bus the other people within your identity who, mm.
0: you know... Um, who
1: don't fit into
0: the respectability you know, politics.
1: You who don't want to just end with their rights being able to get married. Mm. When they want... Actually, no, we want to dismantle the system that enables, like, barriers mm. for other things in society. Like, mm. healthcare. Like, mm. actually challenge the religious institutions who mm. keep putting us in conversion therapy. Or, you know? Um, and this is very deliberately an allegory. It's like that um, activist tactic of placating the society that's at norm instead of deconstructing the issues or deconstructing the the system in place that has put those issues there Mm. yeah (laughs) um charles xavier falls into that idea of he thinks he'll change minds with honey rather than vinegar yes whereas magneto is the opposite he's like we're never going to change minds Mm. we need action to protect our people and historically like even in their names we know that they're allegories for, um, especially in um, the civil rights movement in America when the X-Men comics were thriving around the time of um, Martin Luther King has always been an allegory for Charles Xavier, Mm -hmm. and Malcolm X has Mm -hmm. always been an allegory for, like, Magneto's like yeah, they have always been historically allegories for those two figures in the public eye um and sorry, I'm talking a lot here, but I, it really made me passionate. I was very no, teary as I watched this that this morning. talk about so interesting. <laughs> um, there's a line where Senator Kelly is talking when he arrives to the X-Mansion and they're like, what are you doing here? Like, we never thought you'd show up on our doorstep. And he says, I was afraid if I went to a hospital and someone cuts him off um, that they'd treat you like a mutant, like one of us. And that line reminded me of, you know, how gay people are treated as subhuman in medical care especially particularly during the AIDS crisis like they're dirty and depraved and that's why they're sick and how dare they come into the hospitals expecting the same care as straight people who are vulnerable and you know yeah yeah that just struck a real big chord with me yeah I think that's completely true <laughs> um.
0: Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Lavender Scare, like just just a little bit, maybe a minute or so. So um, a brief history on the Lavender Scare. So the Red Scare in the 1950s in America, which was basically Fear of communists and communism taking over led to the Lavender Scare in which queer people were outed and fired from their jobs. David K. Johnson defines it as a fear that permeated Cold War political culture, this fear that gay people were a threat to national security, that they had infiltrated the federal government and that they needed to be systematically removed from government service. Johnson estimates that between 5,000 to 10,000 people were fired or resigned. The executive order demanding gay people be removed from government positions was enacted in 1953 by President Dwight Eisenhower and rescinded by President Bill Clinton in 1995. So that's over 40 years of government enacting persecution. So this film touches on that by trying to make a law requiring mutants to register themselves. Um, this is something that has threads throughout all of Marvel Comics, even the Civil War storyline with Captain America and uh, Iron Man.
1: Yeah, um, with Civil War in particular, I, I talk about this one a lot because it was one of my first comics that I got super into when I was growing up. And I know in the in the Civil War comics, I believe it is... Wolverine is asked to speak to the X-Men on behalf of both sides... And figure out who they're standing with, whether they're pro registration or against it. And like Wolverine goes to talk to them, but not. He's just like, can you believe they asked me to come here and ask you to pick a side? And Storm turns around and goes, "We're fighting our own registration act, and we always have been. And when have the either Tony Stark or Captain America mm. been supportive of us mm. fighting our right to be registered? Like, <laughs> yeah. So them, 'em. We're staying neutral and dealing with our specific good rather yeah. than theirs. And we'll quit being superheroes so we can just focus at first on being mutants and protecting Mm. our rights before we, you know, we go out there and we're trying to do good and help people. And now they want to double register us. Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And now on to more specific things. Yes. We know Charles and Erica are in love.
1: Oh (laughs) oh my God. We know
0: it's obvious, but it still gets to me every time. They just,
1: they are. They are in love. No one can tell me they're not. It's um, just... It is true. They um, are in love. Look, I know platonic bonds and friendships are important and everything, but holy shit. Sometimes, you know, queer love is important as well. Yes, it is. And so I'm really tired of it only being said when characters are gay that, you know, platonic bonds are important. Or when people interpret characters as gay. They're like, well, why couldn't they be... Just be that? friends. They're
0: not be friends. My, why
1: they... I'm like, well, go and talk about the other 700 movies about straight people that turn from friendships into... You know? Yeah.
0: Like, we've already (laughs) talked about Steve and Bucky being friends and being in love. And, like, Charles and Eric have this amazing love story throughout so many of the movies. And, like, it's only, like, really hinted at in this movie. But then we see at the end they're playing chess together. And Eric's like, "Um, you know, uh, why do you always come here, old friend? And Charles is just like, I'm not giving up on you.
1: Yeah. And it's just this, like, heartbreakingly beautiful thing. And it's like both of them are very cognizant of the fact that the other is in direct opposition to the way they want mutant kind to be perceived and treated in the world. Mm. Eric is very acutely aware that Charles's placating brand of activism and like is serving a purpose, but is directly, he, he thinks it's like playing the dancing monkey for the circus instead mm. of actually making a change. He thinks mm. it's very patronizing. And You know, if they weren't close and if they didn't care about each other, he'd just be like, cool, I'll railroad through that goal. I'll railroad through that problem to address the bigger issues. In the same way that Charles is so reluctant to let them kill Magneto or let them, Mm. like, put that problem in the ground once and for all. Because, like, no. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they care about each other so much despite being incomplete. Because they want the same goal. They Mm. want mutant... Acceptance and right yeah, liberation, and care yeah. and liberation. Yeah, it's kind of the the old saying that was, um, oh, what was it? There was a very powerful video that came out during all the the Black Lives Matter protests, where the woman was saying um, that white people are just lucky that black people aren't looking for revenge. Yes, they're just looking Kimberley for equality. Kimberly Latrice Jones. Jones. Oh my god! Thank you. And yeah, like Magneto's tactic. Magneto is like, we're looking for revenge. Charles is like, we're looking for equality. Mm. <sighs> mm. they're so good characters, like,
0: ugh. okay. It would have been better if one of the characters was actually a person of colour, or, I like, know. both of them.
1: But I know Stan Lee and the writers on the X-Men comics have directly credited mm. civil rights movements and, you know, Professor X and, you know, like, they're just directly civil rights being the movement at the time that was when these characters yeah. were conce- conceived. Like,
0: yeah. But, I mean, it doesn't really make sense to have a, th- a movie about civil rights if you're not making it about, like, people
1: of colour or specifically black people. Well, that's where the mutants are, that allegory that stands in, mm. because, of course, they wouldn't have been published. We would never have these stories if, I guess, at the time, they'd really pushed for this and that. And that's a very sad excuse. Like, I, in the retrospect...
0: But yeah. now that we're
1: making the films later, these are things that we could be changing and striving for. Exactly. I mean, like,
0: they could have done it in this movie. They could have done it. Yeah. There's, there's just
1: no reason why they but couldn't then, have. But if Magneto had been your only person of colour. Yeah. Or apart from Storm. But like, both like, of them. Yeah, if they'd both been, yeah, yeah. Or even
0: Mystique, or Jean yes. Grey, or Wolverine, Rogue, like, any one of them.
1: yeah. No, it's or we could have
0: had more prominent, um, more prominent screen time for uh for Storm.
1: Yes, precisely. My brain is
0: just not not working anymore. <laughs> no,
1: it's okay. I'm
0: sorry. Um, what else do we want to talk about with queerness Um, Ian McKellen is queer IRL so we have that and he and Patrick Stewart are best friends and their friendship is amazing
1: he talks about putting a lot of his like feelings about you know because he's so old he's like Ian Ian McKellen he was like you know he was acting in like the 50s Mm. and like has been out for many many years Mm. but like he puts a lot of his feelings about trying to like Seems straight in society and everything. He's like putting a lot of that into his Magneto mm. interpretation and everything. I love that. Gorgeous. I adore it. Um, you said
0: Magnetos, you <laughs> said Magentos. <laughs> Magentos. magentos. <laughs> well, that's
1: in first class when he gets that ugly helmet, the only yeah. time his fashion sense has been off the mark. Because that's what I say saying Magneto's gay drama, TM, and he's always like making floaty big entrances. <laughs> and his fashion sense with his capes everywhere oh, is iconic. iconic. Yeah. I don't like the purple helmet in first class, like the bright pink and pur- the magentos helmet. The magentos. <laughs> <laughs> hey, isn't it funny that his name's Magneto and mo- not Magneto? He's a magnet. But he's neater. I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is just my brain pinballing all over the place like it does. Okay, let's talk about Bobby Drake. Bobby Drake. Bobby Drake. Yes, he's not in it much in this film, but no. he is there to be very he like leaves a, a rose on Rogue's desk, which yeah. is a very strong like power move, I guess. That's so cute. It's I so like cute. It. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so, he's queer in the comics, and he came out in 2015, yeah. but as Dana will say, that yeah. um, Gene actually outed him, but, like, to himself, like, this this is a thing. Okay, so, I had a friend, and the only reason I know that I'm a lesbian is because a friend pointed it out to me. So, <laughs> I don't find it wrong for someone to, like, take you aside and be like, honey, I think you're gay, because if they hadn't, I would not... Like, I would still be identifying as bisexual, and I would be very unhappy with my life.
1: Oh, is okay. I, I understand. I, I feel the opposite. If someone sat me down and, like, told me, hey, you're gay, I'd be like, fuck you. You don't know me better than I know myself.
0: Well, like, I, like, I would have said that ten years ago. Yeah. But, um, like... the only instances i've had of people like that's the only time someone has sat me down and like not sat me down like we were talking online but like literally been like in a helpful comforting kind of way yes everything before that was just people in high school calling me a dyke
1: yeah no and that had that experience a lot too i don't know but even a friend like i would just be like even if like it's not your place to tell me i am it's in my time and my space for me to figure it out. And I'm glad it was really affirming for you. It was you, really affirming for but me, yeah. I didn't figure it out till I was 20... Turning 21. Mm. And, like, you know, other people's conversations are actually really unhelpful in that journey to figuring that's it out. That's fair. Because I'd always be like, huh, I think I'm gay. Or, like, I'm sitting there thinking it. And they go, remember that time you dated that guy? And I'm like, Ugh. oh, okay, maybe I'm not then. Yeah. Like, but that's other
0: people was, telling you your business. Yeah, it was always a hurdle. And... I don't know. It's interesting. Like, if I had a ch- I, I will have children. So, if they... If my children are queer, like, they're obviously going to grow up with a queer mother and probably another queer mother or mm. another queer parent. Um, and so, I will give them the opportunities to be able to explore their own exactly. identities. But and you they won't, won't sit, grow up you? with my shit where it was so taboo to be queer it was so taboo to be, like, lesbian, let alone bisexual and, you know. Yeah.
1: No, and I, I grew kind up bullshit. with that, too. I didn't grow up in an accepting house. I know. Um, I just think, like, especially for the context of the comic, which we'll discuss, he looks like he's 15. It's when they're kids. Mm. It's, like, when they're teenagers in the school. And so, essentially, in All New X-Men number 40, um, Jean Grey's, like, sort of using her tele- telepathy... Telepathy. Telepathy, thank you. Telepathy! (laughs) Um, When you're you're reading someone's mind but you don't care that much. (laughs) Telepathy. And she's just like, you know, what? Come on. You're gay, Bobby, like, to him. And he's like, I mean, if he's like 15, that's a a
0: lot to put on a
1: 15. It is, yeah. Um, But I think they got some criticism for it, Mm. and the next time that Bobby really talks about it openly in, like, the continuity, It's in X-Men 600, which is, like, really sweet. In usual X-Men time-traveling alternative universe shenanigans, Bobby comes face-to-face with the younger alternative universe version of himself. And I I actually think it might even be the same universe him for somehow this happens but it's just him in the future. Yeah. And they come face to face, and he's sitting Explore there... gay. Define gay. <laughs> did yeah. you see that? <laughs> no, I did you not. accidentally right clicked. Right-click and it's just like, define gay. Explore God, gay. God, that's a move. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are doing that with Bobby right now. No, but um, he's there. Jeans in the background, apparently. And he's like, hey, like, I just want to talk to you about something. Jeans here for moral support. Um, I'm gay, it turns out. And, like, he looks very unhappy. Like, older mm. him is just very like, stern at this. So that means you are too, right? Oh my god, I'm gonna kill Henry McCoy for bringing you here. Like, the older Mm. one's deliberately avoiding this conversation, head in his hands. Uh, so, uh, I I don't think I want to live my whole life hiding this part of myself. Yeah. I understand why maybe you did, though I'm not sure I understand why you still do. Because it's him in the past, who's open and cool with it, talking to him in the future, who's still closeted. Aww. And I'm like, oh, it's like the opposite narrative you usually mm. get. Like, if you could go back in time and tell your younger self. Yes. Instead, it's the younger self going forward. <gasps> oh. And, um, you know, this and then he says, this is why nobody likes Eugene Gray, because it's referring to when Gene called him out, I assume. Mm. Um, and then it's, yeah, they keep talking and it's like, so you're going to be a mutant and gay wow, how are you more put together than me? You are so (laughs) gay. (laughs) And then he tells himself, so you are gay. And it's just, it's very cute. That's
0: so cute. Um, But, um, yeah. yeah. So the writer who wrote this coming out narrative with Jean in the first comic in 2015 uh, was Brian Michael Bendis. And Brian Michael Bendis is not gay. But the writer who picked up the storyline in 2017, Sina Grace, is... So that's probably why they had a more nuanced um, version of of that coming out.
1: And I like it. I like that it flips the whole on your head. Like, what if you could go back and talk to your younger gay self thing? Mm. And this one's like, what if your younger gay self actually has a handle on it and you don't? (laughs) Which might have been useful for someone like you. Yeah, it would have been
0: great for me. Can my younger self come like, or maybe I should go back in time and just have a nice chat with my younger self. Drink as much as you want until you're 21. Because um, <laughs> that's when the problems really start to hit. Oh, no. <laughs> um, you're gay, bitch. It's <laughs> probably all I'd say. And then I'd
1: just piss off. Peace. Peace. I would say you're going to be alive in 10 years. And yep. you're going to be happy with people who love you and understand you. Treat your mother better, that's another one I'd say. Mm, Get away from your mother for a bit more, (laughs) that's
0: what I would (laughs) say. We are like opposite,
1: but same.
0: Same, but opposite. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, okay. Do we want to do the Duvernay test for Storm? Uh yes, I would like okay. to. I think that would be pretty cool. Ah, uh, there's the Duvernay test, and there's also the Latif test. Okay. Um, so the Duvernay test, um, number one, are there any character? are any characters of color whitewashed or played by actors of a different ethnicity? No. No. Do the characters of color pursue their goals separate from the white characters? See, this is a tricky one because <sighs> it's, ensemble it's an ensemble movie. She. She pursues the same goal as, like, I mean, we see as her everybody. in scenes as everybody. We see her in scenes with, um, with Cyclops specifically. Yes. Like, they're a tag team that they are that they, um, Would we argue together.
1: her talking to Senator Kelly about her fear of regular humankind? But that's not really a goal, no. it's just a motivation, it, or it's yeah. just a feeling. it's just a... Yeah, it, I, it's she does nice have moment, a goal of her own. Yeah,
0: she doesn't have a goal of her own. Okay, so number three, Did the characters of colour primarily talk about race? No. She
1: doesn't no. talk about where she's from, and there's we a lot of untapped potential her. there with Storm, because she was found by Charles Xavier in the middle. He comes in, a white man comes into Africa and picks up Storm oh, from Jesus. her village to take oh. her away to be educated at the mansion. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's terrible. Yeah. Oh, no.
0: Yep. Okay, uh, number four. Did the characters of colour fulfill harmful, simplistic, or downright racist stereotypes? We did talk about the dark-skinned blonde stereotype. Yeah, so would you say yes? I would say yes, Mm. yeah. Yeah. Because
1: that is a harmful, simplistic, and racist stereotype. I think it just speaks to the fact that we need more characters of colour, so it's okay when you have ones who have aesthetic features for their powers. Yes. Like,
0: yeah, if we had... But I mean, like you know storm clouds are not white
1: no you're right her hair doesn't necessarily need to be the colour of a white cloud no it could have been like that grey colour but yeah yeah yeah. and I think again it speaks back to they were trying to give her this interesting aesthetic without (sighs) making her look old because that's undesirable in comic book women
0: Number five, is the director, writer, and or creator representative of the stories culture? Well, the stories culture is white culture Mm. and, like, queer allegories and um, allegories for Jewish people and also allegories for the
1: civil rights movement, so no. (laughs) They haven't got enough writers and that on the team who represent all those views. Mm. Okay, the Latif
0: Test. Let's have a look at this. Yes, this um, one's a new this one. This
1: is a new one. I love when you find these. So are there two named characters of colour? Uh, okay, um, here's the thing. I'm trying to think. We've got Jubilee in a background shot, and I think she's credited as Jubilee, but she doesn't get a okay. line. There's a deleted scene, I think, where she... Okay. Oh, no, well, that might be the new ones. Um, and she is... Because I
0: don't, I don't see any other characters of colour in this film. She's
1: Asian. You. Is she in this film? Yes, she's oh. in the classroom. But she doesn't get along. Oh, okay. She's one of the kids. Yes. Um, I think they were planning on having more stuff with her, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. The Storm. And there's no one else, is there?
0: No, but when we're talking about two named characters of colour, like, um, two named characters, sorry. Um, it's... Is their name used in text? Yes, the same that's way. the thing. Same it's way like... the
1: Bechdel list is meant to yeah. be two named characters. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, um... Are we talking about two... Like, because these are movies that have a history. They have a history in the comic books. Yeah. So we know these characters. Like, we can draw from that history in the comic books. But are they named in the film? No. As so, would someone who isn't familiar with the comic books be able to... No. Yeah. No. So are they... Do they have dialogue? Um, well, no. the one who's in it does. No, um... Two named characters of... Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Not with each other, but, like, do they have dialogue? Okay. are they not romantically involved with one another? Well, there's only, only one, and she's not. <laughs> um, do they have any dialogue that isn't comforting
1: or supporting a white character? No, because there are no uh, other... Oh! <sighs> it's... In- uh, when she's talking to Senator Kelly, she's talking about her fears and everything, but it is in the context of comforting him while he's dying. Yes, yes. So um, is one of them... She's definitely- electrocuting Tone. That's not what's, dialogue. The what's the difference between a? you're no, right. I feel like we've kind of swapped here. Like I used to be the the bad cop on the, on the um the Bechdel test, and then and now I'm you're the, the bad, bad cop on, on the latifah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay. What does that say? Um, is one of them definitely not magic? No, she, she is ooh. magic.
0: Oh, she's a mutant. She's magic. Like that's that's what. Yeah. Mutants are mutants of magic.
1: No, mutants are genetic.
0: Oh, okay, they're scientific then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so she's not magic; she's science. But her powers are very mystic compared to a lot of the other mutants. Yeah, if we do want to give it that. And she's seen as like a goddess of storms. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Okay. You know what I wish, and especially especially now we've got the MCU and um, the X Men reunited, even though fuck Disney. Fuck um, Disney. I wanna see T'Challa and Storm because they're married in the comics oh, really? for a while and then what? they break up. But they get married. That's so cool. And then we can have like characters of colour interacting with characters of colour and we yeah. could have Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah. I love comics, they're just big soap operas.
0: I'm excited to talk about our Black Panther episode actually. I'm so excited. Because I have so much to say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know I if you've gone through my notes.
1: No, this is a long one. It's turned out to be a very good episode, but of course, with more women and more yes, queer stuff more to women talk and more about, queer stuff, there's definitely more to talk about in this film. Would you recommend this movie? To I people? would.
0: Yeah. I would recommend this movie. I think it's a great movie. I mean, aside from Brian Singer, mm-hmm. um, but I think it's actually a really well done movie. Again, like we talked about in our last episode, if you can't find this movie for free. Talk to me. Yes. I'll find it for you. We can, like, hook each we'll other up. Happen. It'd be fine.
1: Um, and the Ooh. big... Th- oh, my laptop just <laughs> shut down. So all my notes are gone. <laughs> it was great. It gave me no time. Um, I think the big thing as well is it's very much a product of its time, which is 2000. Yes. Yeah. The year two. I was just scrolling up to try and find the year. Yeah, yeah, my laptop shut down. It's a snapshot of the 2000s mm. in very much the way they are 2005 from last week with... Fantastic Four. Nothing much happened in those five years, did they? In fact, I think we regressed I think as fashion, a society. think fashion got worse. And
0: there were... Yeah. Yeah. Because we tried to whitewash Jessica Alba.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus. Yikes. Yikes. It's always hard doing this out of chronological order, but sometimes you're like, oh, wow, this was made five years before that, and it's better. Like, there's really no order to what we're doing except that
0: we try to keep the MCU films at the beginning of the season, although I have fucked that up twice. <laughs> and I, I made the season. I know this, I love you. I wrote the seasons out and I was like, this is the way we're going to do it. And then I just fucked it up twice. So, yeah, if <laughs> you listen to our... <laughs> I, won't, I won't
1: say it. We won't talk about it. Okay. <laughs> if if you were going to change something in this film, what would it
0: be? Explicit queerness. Yes. Explicit um, parallels with the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, have... Jewish characters, Jewish playing. actors playing Jewish characters exactly. and disabled actors playing disabled characters. So, like, I would change a bit, but I still like this movie, and yeah. I still think it's a very good movie.
1: No, and I think the good thing about it is that it, it builds over time. Yeah. We know that they improve, and we know that there is more in it. I think, unfortunately, and the way it's going to be with most of ours is that feminism is the thing that improves the most. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be until much later in our seasons when we're talking about movies that have been more recent Mm -hmm. that we will see more characters of color and we will see better treatment of, I guess, disabilities. I hope, actually... touching wood on that one, because I don't know if they do improve I can't that. I not it the top of my head, but we have been recording for three hours. Yes, so we should probably <laughs> cut wrap it up. Um,
0: yeah, so what's going to happen now? We're on our season break. Oh, Jesus, I'm going to have some sleep. Yep. I'm going to not have to watch things every week. Yes. Yep, it's been <laughs> homework. Oh, we'll have to edit, because I have to edit
1: the last couple episodes. You'll I'm... have to think of another excuse to come hang out with me.
0: Yeah! <laughs> Any excuse, except I'm still very paranoid about COVID-19. I I'll
1: come to you in my car. I'm still In very my, in my bubble it. look Okay, car. okay. But okay. you see people on a daily basis. I oh, know, I'm a teacher. Yeah. But they don't get sick, remember? Oh. <laughs> What's the difference between Darn. 25 17-year-olds in a room and 25 18-year-olds? Being in a school environment. Hey! I have year 11s for anyone. Who <laughs> okay. That's it, then. Yeah, that's Uh, it.
0: Thanks for listening. You people
1: rock. And until next time, folks, stay marvellous.